Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, an editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics and Practical Dermatology magazines. Aesthetic physicians share the steps they've taken to protect their staff, patients, and practice amid rising COVID-19 cases in early 2022. Doctors Michael Gold, Joel Cohen, Mark Nestor, Joel Schlesinger, and Amy Taub discuss which safety protocols are working and more with clinical pharmacy specialist Adam Jackson. We have a few aces in the hole that other people don't have being a doctor's office. So what we do is all of my staff wear masks and shields, KN95s or N95 masks. When you have that, that probably knocks down, even if you had it, because remember, that's what they're wearing in the, in the hospital, treating these patients who are highly infectious. No, so I can tell you, I can tell you that is cutting things down the risk, even if people are infected 95 to 99%. And that's the way we're looking at it out, in the office. Yeah, the minute this came out, I told my whole staff, no more cloth masks. Oh, no, no, no. We've had masks. We, we, as soon as Omicron came out, we, we put back shields. So with all our patients, we have mask shields and gowns for everybody. We're not having any staff eat with anybody else. Nobody's taking off their mask. And period. End of discussion. So I'm, I'm comfortable that, no. first of all, nobody is getting sick in our office. And if we track the people who have gotten sick and we have probably... Across our practice, we have 25% of our staff across 600 employees out, okay? But nobody's getting it from the practice. Everybody's getting it from going out and being with their family, et cetera, right. because you don't have these things. So what so, we're doing is as follows. We are following the following protocol and just what Al was talking about. If you are positive, if you're sick, five days, come back. We have rapid tests in our office. We got 150 BD tests on the, the uh, little cassettes um, that we got from McKesson. They're only about $9 a piece. We figure that's a good uh, investment. So when a staff member is coming back after five days, we test them, okay? If they're negative, the, if they're negative, they're wearing still, because we feel they may be still infectious because it's not 100%. Everybody's wearing protection anyway. So, you know, we, uh, the staff is joking that everybody's wearing a condom constantly to protect against uh, infectiousness. And I said, perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. So this is what we're doing. And then if they're, if they're positive, we're going to back a couple of days later to test because I don't think we need to wait five more days because we have the ability to test them in the office with the rapid test. And that's what we're doing. What's interesting, though, is that we're seeing variations. And Adam, this is the most interesting part of this and the screwiest part, which is there's so much virus out there that people are getting constantly bounced around and reinfected, okay? They're not getting sick, but they have family members who are being exposed again and this and that. And all of a sudden we're seeing positives where we saw negatives, they're not sick, okay? So what's happening clearly to me is that they're getting infected, it's building up because this is, and I don't, I don't buy that this is, you know, an R value of, of six or seven. I think it's much higher because we have so much um, nonspecific and, and, and probably asymptomatic infections that we're not counting and we're not seeing. When we're getting 40% in Florida positive tests, and considering we probably miss some of those tests and they're probably higher positives, you know, there's just so much viral load out there 
that people are being reinfected. So, so the bottom line is that, you know, you have to have both of these arms. You have to have the vigilance arms. If somebody's sick, somebody's sick, they'll get over it, et cetera. And that seems clear from this variant. They don't get very sick. Everybody in my office is vaccinated. That's another ace in the hole. But then you have the protection side of it too. And this is really the, the key, I think, for our practices to move forward, to be able to have so, both of these aspects. All right, so Joel Schlesinger, what are you doing in your world? And Amy, tell you keep going on your world too. Thank you, thank you, Michael. And I think that there's a difference between what we can do and what we should do. In other words, there are a lot of uh, offices that are debating on bringing people back in five days, six days, whatever. But the reality is that many of the people that come back might be coughing, might be exhibiting symptoms. And I don't think that we can afford to have our patients come in and see a, a place that is uh, potentially being cavalier with their, with their health when they see somebody who exhibits symptoms. So that goes without saying, uh, but, but just wanted to, to state it out there. The other thing is that we have to uh, go back and readdress this with our staff. So about a week ago, when we saw when I saw that this was going nuts again, um, I sent a note to my entire staff and told them we we have to make sure that everybody is boosted. We had uh, been a little bit uh, less uh, reactive to the boosting. Uh, we made sure that everybody had two vaccinations, and that was a uh, not a not an ask. It was in a, a requirement. We lost a couple of staff over it. And we may lose staff over the boosting, but we feel that people need to be boosted at this point. So I think that there are a couple of things, uh, and I agree completely with the break rooms. I think it's going to be absolutely imperative to have people uh, working in, uh, to working without going to the break rooms, and make sure that they uh, that they end up uh, uh, staying away from people where they can. And we, of course, have to go back to. Uh, treating patients as if they are potential uh, risk to us. So thanks, thanks do you, again. Do you, do you check, do you ask your patients in advance whether they've been vaccinated or and or boosted? We do not. Because we do, we still, I still do all that same intake stuff. I, everybody comes in, have you been vaccinated? Which vaccine, one, two, do, have you had a booster? And again, I'm a vaccine site, so we ask them if the, those that are still unvaccinated, and I live in an unvaccinated world. Um, and so, you know, down here where I am, as well as where Mark is. And um, can we talk specifically know, about that? So, Adam and, and Mark, let's let's talk. You know, first of all, when you see somebody doing something that's like contrary to what medical acceptance is right now, like cloth masks, I actually intervene and I say to them, look. You know, I have a patient in the room, whether it's Mohs or cosmetic, I, I say you have a cloth mask on. There's been some studies that show that that really doesn't do as much as having at least a medical mask. Let me just give you a medical mask. I would prefer that for my staff. I do that every day, and I think it would probably be good right. for other people to consider doing that. You know, part of the issue is I think our parking lots at our offices now look like, you know, Washington Square Park in the in the 90s when I was in med school in New York and we've got masks all over the place instead of condoms all over the place. But but, <laughs> but, but, but nevertheless, you know, I, I think that I would rather have these people wear that mask that I give them in the office. 
My second point is about what Michael's saying in terms of you know, their vaccine status. So there have been many studies, most recently from what I've read, a UC Davis study with several hundred patients that indicated that whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated and you have COVID, you have similar quantitative level of viral shedding. So if that is the case, then you know, having this distinction and, and having people ask, are you vaccinated? You know, and then they, they, they you know, scammer away from somebody who's not vaccinated, it doesn't really make that much sense. Yeah, well, I'm, again, I'm so, doing it so to try I, to get people back. I'm trying to get people vaccinated. That's so, the only reason I so do it. I think, I, I think you're misreading that study. I think what, you're, what the study really is saying is that patients who have similar levels of illness, okay, whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated, are shedding the same. I think if you look at the, it's very clear that the vaccines very clearly keep people out of the hospital, keep them from having severe illness. And there are many, many more asymptomatic people with vaccines than without vaccines. So, so was, if you're looking at the population. Mark, this was a study just, if you're positive for COVID, it looked at what your viral shed was, period. It didn't look at severity of illness. Regardless, so, regardless of that, Joel, what I would point out though, is that let, let's just say they got their booster four weeks ago. And let's say the vaccine effectiveness for infection is call it 80%, 75, whatever it is. It's pretty high. Um, they have to get infected in the first place. So yes, if you're vaccinated and you're asymptomatic, then perhaps you have the same viral shedding as someone who's unvaccinated and asymptomatic. But the likelihood that that vaccinated person is infected in the first place is substantially lower than the unvaccinated. So what that, what that leads you to is what I think Mark has been talking about, which is, is that, you know, hey, we're all, we're all doing the mask, we're all doing this, we're all doing that. And that covers that, that base, at least. Right. I'm vaccinated. I just want to understand why when some people hear somebody's not vaccinated, they run away from them thinking that they're the plague. And it just doesn't seem to be scientifically that, consistent. That's, that's, a, that, that's not where I think we're talking about. When I'm looking, I get the hospital statistics every day from Jackson and everything else. It's staggering when you look at the statistics. The one from today had 79% of the people hospitalized were unvaccinated. And of the vaccinated ones, 34% were transplant patients. And considering the, the percentage of patients, which is about 70% plus here and almost 90% of the elderly are vaccinated. I mean, the, the data, the statistics are off the wall here about right. protecting people from getting severe and, illness. And, and I think just one quick point, Joel, on what you're saying is that if I'm in a group of people who are all vaccinated and no one has symptoms, since I can't tell by looking at them if they're infected, then I feel pretty darn comfortable my risk is low. Not zero, but pretty pretty darn low. If they manifest symptoms, I don't care what their vaccination status is. Right. I'm going to stay away or ask them to stay away, et cetera. But, et cetera. but it, it, gets, it gets into the, the outside of the practice of medicine. You know, we're all have yeah. been subject to going to family events. And every one of our family events is either fully vaccinated and now boosted or and or a PCR test before you go. And 
it, it just, again, as Adam, as you said, it doesn't mean somebody's not sick or can't get sick because of that if somebody is sick in the party, but it lowers your angst, if that's the right word, about going to the party. So we won't go somewhere. I mean, we, we've been to a few family weddings. And again, for all of us who are constantly on the road pre-COVID, most of us are not, you know, every week at some place um, that, and especially if, you know, Joel ran a meeting, Mark ran a meeting, I ran a meeting, you had to be fully vaccinated to get in. And then you had a choice of an armband or, or, or green, orange, green, yellow, or red, whether you wanted to avoid people or not. I mean, that, you, but again, if you weren't vaccinated, you that were was not good. allowed in. But here's the key issue. And this is what I think we need to understand as physicians is that we have a couple of other cards we can play. Like I had a dinner party um, for, I don't know, New Year's or whatever. Not only is everybody vaccinated, but I did rapid tests on every single person. Mm -hmm. Now, Adam is exactly right. I don't know how long that's good for, but during that evening, I'm pretty comfortable if everybody's negative on the rapid but, test. But, but again, I'm that's a trump card that we can. That's a trump card that we can play because we. Exactly. we, we I mean, I because keep, we can I get the test, and but I have plenty of them in my house. Now. Right. There's what is tests. what is the false negative rate of a rapid test? Let's just. Every, every, Everybody it's actually pretty, it depends on the test, number one. And unfortunately, number two, and Adam can address this, they haven't really done a really good job of retesting all these rapid tests that are emergency approved by the FDA with the new variant. And so- But the problem, the real problem is that with Omicron, that it does seem like the rapid tests come up negative in the first couple of days. Whereas it's not just the rapid, it's the PCR as well. And that's what I'm saying. This is It's very interesting that people are having symptoms. That's why I'm not clear what's going on here, whether it's multiple viruses at once. So people are having symptoms as well, and they're, right. they're coming out negative with the PCR. I'm seeing this time after time after time. So it's not just the rapid test. And, and then, I, and then how, do you, how do you address the person? So that, you know, again, not that I want to get into the anti-vax world, because that's not it, but people that say, well, you know, people are, you know, the vaccines aren't working. I, I think we all know the vaccines are working. Right. We all know, we all know it's not 100%. We all know that they lose potency or immunity, you lose immunity over time. But again, my, my you can go back. Just, you can go back to exactly what Mark just said. 98% yeah. of the people in the hospital that are hospitalized or in intensive care are not vaccinated, not fully or immuno or immunocompromised. Or, 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 right. Or right. 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 Don't, don't forget. I mean, I had somebody, I had somebody, come, I had somebody, I had somebody argue with me the, the, the this week. Betty White died, <laughs> and she had just gotten the booster shot. Yeah. Well, she's ninety nine years old. You know. So, also remember that there is the uh, possibility and likely probability that a lot of these people are lying. They say they've been vaccinated, but they weren't vaccinated. And oh, but we require them to. So this is what we do. So we don't. We we have started asking everybody again, but and we do at the front. I said we're going to go back to having somebody at the front, not to take the temperature, but to question them about symptoms before they come in and eyeball them, make sure they're not coughing or sneezing or sniffling and to give them a normal mask, I mean, a surgical mask at least. Um, and then we, we 
we don't necessarily, except for people who are going to take their mask off for more than like a minute, like when you examine their face. Um, so people who are going to have a medic, a cosmetic procedure or a surgical procedure, those people do have to be vaccinated and boosted and have a negative test before they're allowed to come in. That's um, interesting. You see, I mean, I'm not doing that for the following reason. I'm looking at it from our side that since we're wearing KN95 or N95 masks and shields and gowns, even if they're infected and we're doing this, I don't think we're going to get we're going to get infected. And because of what we're doing. And I think there's so much data from the hospitals that if you're if you're taking proper precautions as the physician, you're you're protected. Now, is it a hundred percent? No. But but remember, the way this works is it's exposure time, okay, plus a number of other things that will give you the risk of infection. So, so again, I, we're looking at it from protecting ourselves. Yeah, but the people, much, the people because say, I don't know if if the other. Often, go ahead. I'm how sorry. How often do you how often do you go into a room where the patient's been in there, and you know you walk in there and their mask is off, and then they right. suddenly put it on. Right. So they're sitting in there for ten every minutes, second of minutes. every second of the day. I mean, right. it's just like. And that's why we're protecting ourselves. And that's why, I, again, if I was wearing an N95, at a, what? So, so Mark, you're, Mark, you're wearing, you're, 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 you and your staff are wearing masks and shields. Yes, and gowns. Joel, and do you wear masks? Do you, Joel, do you, Joel Cohen, do you wear masks and shields every day? You know, because I'm doing procedures, my staff is all wearing like surgical glasses. So they're not uh -huh. true shields, but they're all wearing a mask and they all have glasses on all in right. case of a splash. And that's no different than otherwise, but we're not using a full shield. Okay, Joel Schessinger, masks and, or masks and shields? Masks, but I'm uh, strongly considering shields. We are not back yet uh, to the office from the New Year's. We will be back shortly. Man, but... I want to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> It would, we, we kind of delayed it a little bit because of this and because we had several illnesses in the staff. And I was concerned to go back with the staff, with key uh, staff members that had been reinfected. Yeah, but, but lovely Amy. skin is still cranking. So you're good. That's right. That cracks right. every day. I think masks I and actually, shields, Amy, or ma masks or masks and shields, we have, Amy. We, we now have, you know, just for the staff, Nothing less than a KN95. Right. <clears throat> but we I haven't come back to shields. Adam, Adam, would you agree that, I mean, are we going overboard with the masks and shields or is that a good idea at this point? Especially because we're we're all in the business where you know somebody has acne or somebody's getting Botox or not, or fillers or whatever. You know, we have to take their masks off. Yeah, yeah. So this, I, what I was going to say is the conversation right here is a perfect real world demonstration of each of you trying to find the balance that you are most comfortable with. Um, and so, so Mark is most comfortable with what he's been doing for reasons of where he lives and his own perception of risk and how he weighs that. And then um, Joel is maybe approaching it slightly differently. Amy, all of, the, the thing, um, the way I would phrase it is this. Um, we, as long as you do A through G, 
masks. Um, it, masks are the very first, right, right there. You know, as long as you do these things, your risk goes from here really, really like much, much lower. The question is how much more, what all, what all of you are discussing is all, all of you are right. None of you are wrong. And I hate to sound like a politician, but the reason why I put it that way is because what we're, what you're talking about is further marginal, not, not meaning marginal small, but marginal relative risk reduction. Like if you re reduce the risk in your staff by 99% by doing this, well, I want to do the KN95, so maybe it'll reduce it this much more. And I want to do shields, and that'll reduce it. This <laughs> Fine, great. And it depends upon where you are. In some places, you might say, I tried it, it didn't work. You know, so I, I think what all of you do, you as long as you get past the finish line of I'm doing these masks, I'm doing, I'm, 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 you know, my, my, I think your staff should be vaccinated, except as long as you've got those things in place, all the rest of it, in my mind, is gravy. That that's at least the way I look on it. So, um, anyway, I, I think the, the and there's one more part of all of us, Adam. The very frustrating thing is that is that we're all trying to actually get on a similar page. But I think, honestly, every day where you turn it on and the CDC says one thing, the NIH says another, and the AMA says another, and now the Surgeon General of some states are saying another, it'd be nice if there was some cohesive sort of messaging so that we could all implement this in our practice. Because this is what we're trying to do here, is get on the and same it also, page, it, and then it gets money. No, the politics of this are ridiculous. Come on. It, it also I, really reduces the credibility in the average person's mind of science. See, they think science is like this big infallible thing. They do not understand a 95% confidence limit. They don't understand that they have the sign in their, they have the sign in the yard saying hashtag science. So it must be, it must be black and white, right? Now I will tell you there's one other part of this that's interesting. And that is we have been told by our patients that they feel more comfortable coming into our offices because we're wearing gowns, masks, and shields than any other doctor's office. And they tell their friends about this. So they feel that we're doing every single thing we can to protect them. And they love that and feel very, very comfortable with that. So that is another kind of part of this. That's exactly, yes. Psychologically, yeah. that's very important. It's the data and the science, and then it's this intangible thing. Like um, my brother called me and he's like, hey, this guy had COVID, he came back to work and he's coughing. And I said, that guy might be coughing for six months. I mean, in, you know, it's certainly for six weeks, it's quite possible. I said, how long was he out? Oh, he was out for a good 10 days. He hasn't had a fever for like five days. I'm like, he's got symptoms, but that's not infectious. And so I recognize Amy's right and about the not, you know, how it's perceived. And then Mark, you're right too, but you're trying to weigh this. Here's the data. And here's the, the intangible of, Hey, you got businesses to run and patients who you care about and you want them to feel comfortable. And I, I think that's also important. I, I think we get a lot of kudos in our office because of the stringent nature that we're keeping. And we have actually went to, I, I I'm, my, I'm, I'm the biggest tenant in my building, but we also went to the building management and said, we don't care what you do. Everybody in this building must come in with a mask. 
So we still have those signs on the outside of our building that says everybody entering must wear a mask. And, and we get people that will come in to go visit a, a lawyer down the hall and they're not in a mask. And we stop them and say, you have to have your mask on. They look at us sometimes like we're insane. But in the well, end, they know what you're doing. be shot for that. To, so, to so there's, that. A, there's, there, you could be shot here for that against too, the so. law. So, <laughs> so Mark and, and and Michael, I just want to comment on that. So, I live in a state with Jared Polis, a Democratic governor, who says we do not have to wear masks. Like Michael, I'm the biggest tenant in my building, and we have had a sign up constantly, even after people were vaccinated in May. The sign is dated May that the CDC still recommends masks for medical facilities. That's never left, and we insist on that. But further, we have the entire building has masks that are mask policies that are up in the windows that every business in the in the buildings really needs to be wearing a mask. Period. Well, so listen, so, so this is the issue, Joel. The bottom line is I agree. number one science that we can all agree on that everybody agrees on. If you take away politics is that masks work if they're the right masks. OK, to cut down infectiousness. There's no question about it. Study after study, if you have, especially if you have a surgical or a KN95 or a 95 mask, the cloth mask probably do shit. But the bottom line is that, you know, the science is there. It's the politics that are preventing. And this is, to me, I understand people, the politics of getting vaccinated. The politics of not wearing masks to protect your fellow person, to me, is just ridiculous. That's like the same thing. You, that's Mark, the same thing as saying you can drive drunk because it's my business, not yours, if I kill you. I mean, it's just absurd. Mark, how do you explain, or any of you, I still cannot wrap, this, wrap my head around this. Really intelligent people, or you think they're intelligent, my neighbor across the street, it's a smart guy. He's really nice. You know, I won't discuss his, you know, political beliefs, because I think they're, they're not, it doesn't matter, or it never mattered in the past, but the bottom line is he has not gotten vaccinated and he is now in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. I hope and pray that he will get better, but I just don't understand how educated people, smart and educated people can actually refuse a miracle that we have here with these vaccines. I don't understand. We have 330 million people across 50 different, they're not countries, but it's different. We got 50 different. And LA is different than New York. And that's a hell of a lot different than South Dakota. And this is not a, this is not a, an issue of, of science. Or, it's just culture. If you are in North Dakota, if, especially if, you're, if you've had multiple generations there, you look on what risks you consider to be a natural, normal part of life, your risk assessment is completely and utterly different than someone who lives somewhere else. There's no way to escape that. Like I was talking to someone the other day from South Dakota and she said something about, she was listing off relatives of hers or her husband's who had died in tractor accidents. And I'm not talking just a hundred years ago. <laughs> And it's sad and it's awful, but they they sort of accepted it as that is terrible. God bless him. Shit happens. Whereas if you're in Denver, it's like 
they died in a what? So, so part of it is culture, and part of it is also, frankly, you don't have a country that has jealously guarded individual liberty. Now, I recognize all, all liberties have limits within the confines of the social contract. I'm not getting into that. You don't go 200, nearly 250 years jealously guarding personal liberty, and then all of a sudden we can be like Taiwan and just recognize central authority. Not going to happen, never was. Um, I love this country, but it is sort of ill-suited for a pandemic of a highly contagious respiratory virus. <laughs> and then and then shifting to Amy's point. Well put, well on, put. And then shifting to Amy's point about like, how could they not do this? Oh my Lord, do I, I hear what you're saying? Like, yes, but human beings are human beings and we don't, and there is nothing new under the sun on this one. Humans naturally do not assess risk in a numerical scientific way. And people who don't, I don't, they are who they are. And it's, it's this, um, okay. Science teaches us not to trust our lying eyes. Evolution has, tossed, has taught us to always trust our lying eyes. Meaning we assess there's a, the risk. There's a, song, there's a song somewhere in there. Based upon the, based upon the inputs that we get from our culture, from our church, from our coworkers, from what we read, from everything else, we ingest From the web. And, and we think it's like, you know, if any one person came up to me and said, if I get infected, is it likely I'm going to die? I'd say, no, your chances are less than 50%. Now, I don't consider that to be a particularly good odd. If I'm 70 years old and I'm unvaccinated, my risk of death might be 10 or 15%. I consider that to be horrifically awful odds, but they're still less than 50. So I, it's just, it's how humans work. Things like social media and other things have also, I mean, that's part oh, yeah. of the, that's part yes. of the makeup today. Absolutely. We didn't have that. None and of politics. us had growing up. Let's be clear: it's political. This has become a political football, so to speak.